Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it, and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good. Um, and it's good for you. So remember that this one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible. Just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer and he had, he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meat, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love what you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. And if you want to get water, Liquid Death water, go to amazon.com. But for merchandise and other things that's not water, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Check, check. Welcome to the One Life and Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. 
Today I got my brother from another mother once again, Mr. Derek Green with me today. Hello, Toby. How are you? Good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I'm going to miss you when you go on tour again. When do you leave for tour? Soon? I leave Monday. Monday, okay. Monday. Are you going to Mexico? Going to Mexico. See. Sí. Damn. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, in front of me, it feels like a, like a, a childhood reunion, high school reunion. We didn't go to high school together, but, but uh, I got Pete Kramiak and Chris Jones here. Hey, I just went to middle school. Which, hi, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought... Because I, I went to high school in Maryland. I moved out of Rhode Island. Oh, so you were, oh, you were yeah. in junior high school. So you guys yeah. are like yep. really old school friends. Like, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, back. Was it Thompson Junior High? Is that what yes, it, it was. Yes, it yeah, was. So it was on Broadway, maybe? Yep. Like, you got it. Well, I mean, man, I don't know where to start with these guys because, you know, I moved to Rhode Island um, around that time. Cause, How uh, old were you? It was like middle school because we moved from Taunton, Massachusetts. I okay. was super young, you know. All and right. that's where I got into skateboarding and punk rock all in that town in Newport. I see. And yep. there, was, there was these guys. There was Vicious Circle. There was Verbal Assault. There was Positive Outlook. Who else am I missing? Uh, Civil, Civil Death. Death. Civil Death, yes. Yep. Um, and then, the, like, Idle Rich. Idle Rich. Proletariat wasn't that far away. You hadn't heard of any of these bands. That's right. I, I knew nothing Until about you punk. Oh, you knew nothing. No, my okay. brother brought home like a Sex Pistols eight track of like Nevermind the Bullocks or something, and I was like, "This is terrible." But then you hear other types of stuff from that, and you're like, "Okay, this is cool. I can skate to it." You know nice. what I mean? Was it the same for you guys? Like finding about that type of music through skateboarding? I uh, big, you know, big sister, cool big sister, you know, was bringing home all the cool Devo and Clash albums, so that was my entry. But then. Pretty quickly, Chris was pen pals with like seemingly everyone on the West Coast and getting all the early Black Flag stuff, which I, I, you know, in eighth grade, I was like, I don't know, that sounds kind of fucking sketchy. <laughs> you know, like the Clash sounded like a pop band compared to like the Nihilistics or something. And I remember, yeah. I remember not being sure about it for a couple months, but um, then I think, I think I got my first. Uh, response from SST and it was like a black flag poster with, you know, with like a little note from Henry on the back. And I was wow. like, Holy fuck. I got, you know, like Henry Rollins sent me a fucking thing. It's crazy. You do the same thing. You started writing letters to different record companies for stuff or. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, and it was funny too, because back then you were like, well, I guess I'm, uh, SST records. That must be like capital records, right? Or whatever, you know, it, you know, uh, to the big corporate headquarters or whatever. And it's like, no, it's just, you know, Chuck Dukowski, whatever, in his kitchen table. And, um, you know, but when when they would write you back or whatever, that was huge. Yeah. That was huge. That was, you know, you felt like, uh, uh, you know, you were on top of the world. But uh, to kind of get at what you were talking about before, Toby, yeah, the mu it's funny. The music and the skating kind of just went hand in hand. Yep. You know, like I can remember very specifically being at a half pipe and it might have even been Doug saying, like, hey, if you haven't heard this Minor Threat band, you should really check them. You know, it was, a, again, that total word of mouth traded cassettes or whatever. But um, just the fact that everybody was kind of congregating around, you know, the quarter pipe, the half pipe, whatever, you know, is um, is that's definitely how the, the the music got disseminated you know yeah. so and, and there's no internet back then there's no youtube people just hearing things exactly or, exactly ordered through the mail waiting like six or seven weeks or months yep. just to yeah. get something back yep and being yep. patient about it not, i want it right now it's yep. so different mm -hmm. now yep yeah. yeah same with you derek yeah absolutely and are you still friends with the people that introduced you to that style of music mm. as a 
Yeah, I mean, Doug, Doug, our drummer, is five or six years older than us. Oh, wow. And, okay. and he, like, he literally, you know, physically brought us into the Vicious Circle basement, you know, for a practice. And that was our, you know, like, beam down to the planet into, like, a whole different world kind of moment. Mm-hmm. And, like, Vicious Circle, you, you remember, they, they were, f- that, that was Doug's uh, band. They were the slightly older than us guys. They were fucking <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, singer's name was Serge? Uh, Serge was guitar, and Al, okay. Al yep. Licio uh, was the singer. And um, and they were, like, you know, like, we walked into the kitchen, and, like, the whole family was up there, and then we went into the basement, and all of a sudden there's fucking spray paint on, on the walls, and there's, yeah. like, drywall fucking missing from where they, like, sort of smashed a guitar into it, and there's, like... You know, black flag and SSD spray painted everywhere. Kids were having like, their say on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the kid was having his say <laughs> in that basement. I was like, my mother would not put up with this. And it, so I just, it was just like this moment of like a different fucking reality going on in this little basement that became, and that, that was the night, you know, I played my first distorted guitar. Like, Serg set me up and then, you know, told me to like step on the MXR distortion pedal. Wow. And it was just like, drugs you know yep. like, and, then, and very specifically i can remember um you know being taught louis louis yep you know <laughs> and it was like and so then they let us go at it for 20 minutes of just doing yep. louis louis and um but boy that was life-changing because yep. all of a sudden it was like hey wait i'm making music that's sounding vaguely like the stuff that i'm I mean, just listening to and suddenly the seed yeah. is planted in your head where it's like all right Yep. We could do this. We could do this. And then we we learned a flipper song, and I was like, "Oh wow!" Mm-hmm. Like we're already as good as flipper. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, like ninth grade. I'm like, so this is ninth grade. I it Might yeah. Be the summer it, of eighth grade. Yeah, actually. I would say seven or eighth is when we started kind of uh, meeting people and starting to listen to music and thinking, you know, uh, hanging out with the vicious circle and they would let us, uh, you know, again, fool around with the equipment. And I believe that's when we started thinking like, okay, uh, time for us to, uh, to do something, you know? And then, so that's when, let's see. So that's when my folks were nice enough to let us start practicing in, in, um, our basement And then that's when we started meeting the Morse brothers. Oh, so, yep. The Morse yep. brothers. Exactly. Morse is in the was My just, brother was like a surfer. There was right. like six of them. They were all attractive. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> and then Toby just lived in the basement. We, we, we did this on the first podcast. Oh, yeah, where, that's true. We did. But it's so fucking funny. Because you and I were... I always com- were a lot, though. Yeah. But we were competing for the snacks, like the extra snacks at the Jones house. Because first it was just me. And then you showed up, and I was like, "That's half the half the snack ratio is going downhill because <laughs> of Toby." Of there. And then and you were just like, "What's up with the bandana on your on your like right ankle? What does that mean? What, what like what what, right. what like what color shoe should I get? What why does that song you just played sounds like government issue?" Oh, uh, and you were like, almost like on the spectrum, honest with like how much we were stealing from <laughs> each hardcore record we had. I remember. I think it was wow, the song. It might have been the song "Backstab." You were like, "That sounds just like blending in from you know the government issue record." And I was like, "Fuck, it does." God damn it! Oh, shut up, wow, kid. Wow. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut, yeah. kid. <laughs> so, 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 fast forward to now. It's been how many years since you guys played? Thirty. Wow. Last man. show was wow. at the Lake Great Blue Pelican on West Broadway, um, August. I'm gonna guess twenty first, nineteen ninety one. That was oh, the final God. show. Yep. Pretty crazy huh? yep so how does it feel like just coming back because i know like before the podcast dropped with both you guys 
it was like about to happen and then the yeah. pandemic came and they got postponed but just that excitement that anxiety probably that nervousness i mean how's it been since you guys been playing again yep um here i'll start um so yeah what uh, uh first of all all credit and glory to uh mr brian simmons of atomic action yep. records who has really been um very uh uh, helpful, shall we say, uh, or basically, you know, he's the only reason we're probably sitting here right now is that, um, uh, Brian, <clears throat> as we began to toss around the idea of a reunion, um, but we, we weren't really sure yet or whatever, but, and so Brian, uh, Brian had the big bright idea. He said, well, three of you are here. So why don't you, in pizza out West, so why don't you teach, get somebody, teach them a few songs on guitar. You guys jam if it work if it sounds good, then it's worth Pete coming out. If not, you know, then no, you know, nothing lost. And so that was a great idea. And so, uh, I can remember, uh, so it was Dylan, Doug and I driving up to our friend Ray's, uh, place who, um, to, uh, practice and, and Ray was nice enough to learn some songs on a guitar and we're like, Oh, I don't know. Can we even do this? And I mean, I hadn't sung in 30 years. So, wow. you know, it was a, you know, and, um, but I tell you, the uh, first uh, microsecond that we started playing, it was like, all right, now this is cool. Call Pete, get him on the plane or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So so what was really nice about it was that we got um, we got far enough along. So we're like, OK, we definitely, definitely want to do this. And, um, you know, as I've uh, said on other podcasts and and then in a wet market in Wuhan, someone tucked into their undercooked bat and, you know, the world was never the same or whatever. So when the pandemic hit, yeah, everything was everything was delayed. But what was nice was um, we had already gotten far enough. So it was like, we're going to do this. We're going to yeah. do this. And for me, that was really helpful through the pandemic because it was something to look forward to. It was like when this effing thing is over or abating then um then we're gonna get at it you know yeah. and so um so yeah it and that was um and and again just speaking for me personally i i just did not know honestly honestly whether i still had the pipes or not you know mm -hmm. and it was so it was super gratifying to find out that i did you know yeah and um so you know, now it's just sort of been a matter of, uh, you know, learning to uh, use my voice wisely so I don't blow it out uh, too quickly or whatever <laughs> on tour. Um, but, you know, I just uh, uh, cloud nine thing uh, yeah. just so and, and this will be my final point that um, I mean, for me, it's also um, a real sense of gratitude and appreciation that um, that the the band members are still around that nobody's a jerk, um, that everybody, everybody's still alive, you know, and that, and that we all wanted to come together and, and make the music again. And it's just like, wow, what a neat opportunity. And, and, um, I'm not looking this gift horse in the mouth. I'm trying to appreciate every <laughs> single second of it because it's just, it's been so much fun. I mean, you, I mean, yeah, you sound great though. The videos I've seen, you, your voice sounds amazing, man. Oh, thank you, you very much. So good. Nope. And coming like, from you, Toby, that means a I lot. I mean, I'm just like, wow. And are you doing vocal warm ups too now? You're learning how to warm up more big voice? I am doing lots of research. I, yeah, sent, I, so. I, sent, <laughs> I sent him your videos. But oh, cool. no, yeah. Yep, exactly. No, I have, um, mm -hmm. it's one thing I'm going to get a lot more serious about um 
uh, upcoming. But yeah, I have um, both uh, the stuff that you've recommended and uh, Bobby Sullivan from Soulside um, uh, recently sent me a bunch of stuff as well. Because it's it's like with any internet research, it can be mm-hmm. overwhelming sometimes. Where you're yeah. like vocal training, yeah. you know, rock yeah. vocal training or whatever goes into the search yeah. engine. And it's just like. <laughs> Okay, I just got a billion hits. Tell me, somebody just tell me where to start, you know? And so uh, so that's kind of just um, getting word of mouth has definitely been helpful. Yeah, Anyways, yeah, enough screaming, of me. Screaming in Zen, Melissa Cross in New York. I don't know who you took lessons from. Or right. Did you oh, take yeah, lessons from? Yeah, it was uh, what do you know? Ron. Oh, God. Oh, he's on some. Okay, you want yeah, to say next level Ron. What's his name? Oh, God. His last name. Because your, vo- your, your vocals are insane. You, you, you need yeah. to watch some Sepultura okay. stuff. It's but fucking It's Ron, another level. When I came to LA, he was pretty intense. But he was doing like Bjork and Janet Jackson. Oh, wow. And, oh, neat. Uh, James Hetfield. And, uh, wow. Oh, excuse Ryan. me. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, but <laughs> so, <laughs> Melissa Gr- I, I've heard only good things about she her. She's Lamb of God. She's yeah. a bunch of like, yeah. Yeah. And were you guys in contact with each other, though, during those 30 years? Like, Great about- question. Um, like, or was it just like surprise? Like, what's up? It's been thirty. The, yeah, <laughs> what have you been doing, man? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, for a while, we we were. Um, my parents were still in Newport, mm-hmm. um, and then in 2011, both my folks passed away. Uh, sorry, be- sorry, beginning and end of the yeah, in that time of our lives. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, I was, you know, I have a business in Olympia and kids and. All of a sudden, there wasn't, you know, a, a, you know, at least a yearly annual pull to go back and see the parents right. and stuff. So the, um, so yeah, I noticed there was a good decade there where, you know, there just wasn't a lot of contact and a lot of check-ins. Um, just you know, adult life, yeah, fucking taken over. Um, and that's when Chris was talking about kind of the reunion thing. Everyone's heard my reunion story ten times because I'm so just to become a thorough podcast slut. Yep. Um, <laughs> was that the first podcast though? Okay, I, the first? I think, yeah, I think you, Chris's you first, took yep. my podcasting virginity. Absolutely. You, you popped consensually. my podcast. It was a consensual <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, it definitely was the first because I didn't know where, I remember I went down to the spot in, in my basement with the best Wi-Fi and then the phone still sucked. And I know. I know. He's a way better. I'm excited. So uh, <laughs> now I bought one of these recently for, nice. so I sound better. Like awesome. a little mic and a stand and a little mixer, um, but the when Chris was talking about the reunion thing, the like my brain was already thinking about um, like I was I was pretty burnt, but after Verbal Salt, I did this band called Rain Like the Sound of Trains, yep. which was like you know Verbal Salt was pretty pretty popular, Rain Like the Sound of Trains was not. <laughs> we you know it was a tougher uh, tougher row to hoe and. Um, and then after that, I was just, I was pretty fucking, like, my ears were just, like, mm. tinnitus crazy. I, like, and I was doing construction, so, like, everything was still loud. And I was just, the thought of being in a basement playing loud music just wasn't happening for a long time. Um, and I was just, I was just tired. And I was kind of, like, ran the sound of trains, went really political. You know, we didn't sell t-shirts. We just sold, like, Howard Zinn books on the road. And it was, a uh, like, we really went as you know politically perfect as we could and it was just it was tiring you know yeah um and then uh the in those all those years what i missed was the just the coming together you know with your friends and it's like i lived in dc for about five six years and you know that was a really 
highly charged time of my life where, you know, there's lots of political uh, protests, a lot of, uh, you know, we tried starting this cool collective thing and it was just an intense, you know, a lot of people focusing, trying to do a, a further step, you know, totally. than, than just playing music. And that's, you know, that was sort of my direction. Yeah. Um, and by the end of it and after working for Greenpeace for a while in DC, I was fucking burnt out and I was like, I don't know if this is doing anything, you know, I, I just wasn't sure if it was, if it really mattered. And I just was like, fuck it. I'll move to Olympia and learn how to organic farm. That was my, my step. Yeah. And why Olympia? Like, what was that? Uh, the, the, I went to the Evergreen State College, which is like a weirdo hippie college that has a cool organic <laughs> agriculture. They have an actual farm. Yeah. Um, that that was the pull and um my point that i'm getting to is that i was just sort of i had kind of i was just tired of touring all the time yeah wondering if being you know just going to punk shows was really making a difference and i had 30 years to reflect and uh i feel like i get it now the point isn't to like feed every homeless person from a homeless benefit show it's just to fucking gather and give each other energy and you know try to give everyone a kick in the ass to to do their own personal you know better steps down the road yeah. I, f I feel like that's so clear to me now i feel like an idiot for kind of forgetting that but I, I was just physically and emotionally burnt from drained touring right. you know yeah. like yeah it's yeah, extremely it's draining, draining. <laughs> so i don't yeah. think a lot of people realize how demanding it can be unless they've yeah. been on the road i mean because there's a lot of things that are happening yeah. and it's a lot of sacrifice yeah. absolutely being away from family friends yeah. yep yeah you were like you were like one of the first people to talk about the organic stuff and like we talked before the pod hmm. just about like i remember being somewhere you're i don't know where we were or something and i looked at something you go um unless it only has four ingredients don't eat it or something like that but you were so you were eating like sunflower yeah. seeds and you were like yeah you were really on that way back then yeah i <laughs> yeah, I, my mom was kind of a health food weirdo, and but I, I, it's funny because I I mainly remember just like trying to find the kids' parents that had the sugary snacks, you know, because like, you didn't have in your house. Like the 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 Jones Joneses. the Joneses had pretty reasonable snacks, <laughs> but like like uh, when Doug and Greg Fink moved to town, they had like soup or had ice cream and cookies and freaking ho-hos it was like wow. yeah it was and, and, they, had, and they, they had atari and world war ii models it was like fucking heaven <laughs> yeah well here i'll tell my um i'll tell my sugary uh cereal story so yes, we were not uh, uh uh neither the jones nor the kramiak house was allowed um uh sugary yep. cereals yeah so um i can relate to that yep but yeah, um sucked. but our drummer uh nick uh, uh, Barbado, our first drummer, um, uh, pretty much lived on Frosted Flakes and, yep. you know, Choco Crisps and, you know, whatever. Uh, yep, exactly. Oh, so, man, first, very apart. first sort of pseudo tour that we ever did, um, you know, on the road, 18 <laughs> years old, blazing out or whatever, and... Um, and we were like, "Damn it, we're gonna we're gonna do everything that we were never allowed to. Mother never allowed us to do." <laughs> so we got the big, you know, the industrial size frosted flakes or whatever, 
and um, and we're all chowing down big bowls of it. And I can remember feeling so ill after like my first bowl. And you look over and Nick's like on his yeah. third or whatever, no problem, you know, because he's like completely, you know, uh, used to the, the kind of yeah. glucose that's now, you know, yeah. coursing I'm through his veins or whatever. <laughs> and um, and so Pete and I realized that we had been uh, that again. Our parents had ruined us for um, yeah. for uh, sugary cereals because at eight, at seventeen and eighteen we were unable to consume more than yeah. half a bowl without. I feeling love that's it. how you rebel. Like we're gonna eat cereal. Yeah. We're gonna go on tour. Like it's like we need cereal. Like it's cool. Yeah, we left. Yep. I mean, we left the day after Rogers High School graduation. Wow. Man. Yep. That was our first yep. tour. Nice. So, and really? actually, here's a little shout out for Rogers. So, I've been um, doing um, volunteering, uh, uh, doing uh, poll work during, you know, the primary. Uh, Rhode Island just had their primary. Not and, the stripper you know, poll. Generals in November or whatever. And I'm the supervisor at uh, Rogers High School. So Rogers says hi, Toby. Wow, or amazing. no, that's right. You did not go to you did not go but to Rogers. So I know Rogers though, yeah. Yep. But that's uh, cool, man. Yeah, so it was in the uh, they they're doing a bunch of uh, renovations on the on the on the entire thing and so the polling got moved into the uh, into the gym, which I hadn't been in again in forty years or whatever. So it's like all right, hey, I remember gym class. You know? So that was that was pretty cool but um getting back to uh talking about like uh being in touch with friends and stuff like that i mean now so what was interesting was that while pete um you know while pete headed dc and then eventually out west um dylan doug and i for the most part stuck pretty close to home dylan lived in maine for a while did tons and tons of touring with a uh, a blues guy named Eddie Kirkland. Wow. Uh, yep, for yeah. many, many years. And then, um, but we, so not only did we all pretty much remain in Newport, but we're all kind of in the same neighborhood. I mean, I could pretty much look out the kitchen window mm-hmm. and wave hi to Doug or whatever. Wow. So, um, so in some senses, we definitely stayed more in touch. Um, but on the other hand, I found... These the even before the pandemic, um, I was tending to be a little self isolating and kind mm. of keeping my own thing. And in, in some senses, nothing wrong with that, you know. Mm. Um, but on the other, I also realized that um, again, uh, not getting any younger. Time's going by, you know. And yes. um, and so again, when the idea of like trying to, to do stuff with the band again, I mean, half of the reason that really, really appealed to me on a super personal level was like, I'm going to go and hang out with all my friends again. You know, I want to see everybody before I leave this, uh, you know, beautiful planet or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and of course, you could always say like, well, I'll just sit down and type Toby an email or whatever, you know. <laughs> In reality, it's so much more fun when you get the band back together and then you yeah. fly out to L.A. and then we get to hang right. out. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And, and on my kitchen, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yep. Because sure. we were yeah. email, I'm like, yo, Chris is keeping it old school. Like, we're on emails only. Mm-hmm. I might have got your number later. But like, but also, there's something about being off the grid and being like how you were living too is 
not on social media, none of that. You just live in your life and yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I tend to, and I'm trying to, I'm sort of trying to correct that for the uh, for the band. And so everybody who's written us, I'll write you back sometime someday. Everybody looks at the website. I am going to update it at, at, at some point because um, I do have to get better about that stuff. But no, I don't. Um, I'm not a big social media person, and um, you know, again, it was just kind of this. You know, on the one hand, it's it's nice to spend time by yourself, but it can also the pendulum can swing a little too far. Yeah. And so for me, um, again, uh, one of the great personal benefits of this is is getting that pendulum sort of back to the middle and, and, and really, again, just reconnecting with folks. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's very therapeutic too to yep. be out there singing those songs again and seeing people sing along and new generations of people who fell in love with your band. For the past 30 years i never got to see you before you know like there must be that no and one of the things that's been really really nice is um people coming with their kids yeah. you know yeah. and it is it is mind-blowing and such a compliment yeah. when you'll uh someone will come up and say you you verbal assault was the first hardcore show i ever went to when i was 14 years old and here's AJ, my 15-year-old, yeah. and he'll have oh, a Judge so cool. t-shirt on or whatever, yeah, a little right. X on his I hand. Love that. You know, yeah, and so it's sick. like, AJ, man, glad to meet you. This is cool. I mean, you're really literally yeah. watching generations of people. And it, and again, it makes you know that, like, all right, we're not pissing in the wind on this. You know, right. it's like the music. Obviously, this music means something. Absolutely. If people, yeah. would, yeah. if people have stayed so committed to it, and um and even like you know like brian simmons from atomic action you know his his son is in a great band bulletproof backpack you know so it's just great it is so cool to see the generations uh, yeah because you guys have been out of it for i mean you you've been more in the mix with the music and paying attention to stuff but he's been totally off and then come back to this and yeah i've been lovingly describing chris as like a cat lady without a cat and, yep. we're trying to, and we had to get no, him out of the house. Right, that uh, I'm becoming a crazy yeah. old cat lady, yeah. and uh, to which I reply, other than the fact that I'm a petless man, there's a lot of truth to that. And yeah. so, again, that's why yeah. we've... That's, why, that's the only reason we've re- reformed verbal assault, so Chris gets out of the house the, sometimes. Um, the, the one thing I'll say about all that, and not to give, uh, give my old hairy friend pets... As in physical pets, but uh, like <laughs> if if Chris's lyrics didn't hold up so goddamn good, I I, w- I definitely wouldn't be doing this. Like like the mm. like f- I, I don't know how my nursery school buddy came up with this shit at such a young age, but neither um, does his nursery school buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm just like I'm really proud of all the lyrical content that is part of the band. So f- it fits the time, r- you know, so well right now. It's kind of weird. There's yeah. even like a Russian nuclear threat coinciding with the verbal assault reunion, so like all our Cold War lyrics and everything kind of come into it. So it's uh, I don't know, it just felt fucking serendipitous. It's incredible how like yeah, like your lyrics. We talk about that MDC, yeah. Dead Kennedys, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff these bands were singing about Fuck, back yeah. then is happening yep. now, and mm-hmm. it's been happening. Yeah, it's almost like totally I, I predicted the future, or like it's incredible. I just got goosebumps thinking about MDC lyrics. Ooh, MDC, no, Fuck. Even MDC, lyrics, MDC yeah. on, like ahead of the time with corporate death burger, all that stuff they were singing about. Uh, man, it was, yeah, it definitely made you want to investigate to yep. figure out, you know, which yep. I love that about like, yep. what, what, what were they talking about? Like, I yep. gotta, you know, that's exactly. I love yep. that, you know, and yeah. that 
makes you dig deep into yep. you know discovering like what's going on what are they into and yeah i really miss that about buying albums and yep. yeah. you know yep. analyzing the lyrics you know yep. the the waiting and the physical receiving yes. of the thing like I, that's been talked about to death but <laughs> right. that was a real thing because when you real, got it yeah. and you opened it and just received it through your eyeballs it was a deeper and then, moment and i was remembering like how the thankless was oh so God. important yeah. when oh you're God. like learning about certain yeah. bands. bands. You're that, like, who, yeah. what are they like? Like, yeah. what is it? And or what shirt they wear in the back yeah, cover? Absolutely, yeah. that had That's such you, a huge significance. You were like a f- historian for like the minutia <laughs> of every photograph and like you know like shoe brand and like 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 from day one you you had a very sharp wow. eye for. The, I was so attracted to it. I don't know. I just yeah. loved it. Just really. Just the timing in my life and moving to Rhode Island, meeting these guys, getting the skateboarding punk rock. And then, you know, my mom working a bunch of jobs, raising three boys and me and my older two brothers. We hung out, but we were kind of, we, I am like the black sheep of those two, even though they mm-hmm. got me into punk, they went to other things. Tracy was more goth and Tom was like surfer, like pretty boy guy. And I was just like skateboarder. Um, but we but all Robert loved. Assault was like something you got into. <laughs> well, because I went to school with John Jones, his brother, who right. was a positive outlook. Right. So that's where like, you know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. That is crazy. I'm so lucky because I got to be in Rhode Island at the best time, and then Maryland outside of D.C. in the best time, going to the shows in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. So yep. what phase was the band at in recording-wise? Like, what was already released by the time that you told When did you? Learn come out? 85. Yeah, 85. So wow. if I... Well, if, recorded in 85. Right. Came out summer 86. Six, yep. So if I remember correctly, Toby, I think... We were starting to hang out like really before we even recorded anything. Oh, yeah. I think it oh, was wow. really 83. when the bands were just where everybody was just kind of getting together and making music, and and, and then it started, then it started kind of gelling in a yeah. in a in a way. But but, but I because I really learn. Yeah. yeah, you know, because I just really now let's see if I'm also Two not mistaken. Before. So your brother, let's see, did your brother's band? practice in the basement as well and they brought a pa maybe i think that was yeah and that might have oh, been it. so again our it would, crowd hmm. i don't know if it's our crowd maybe i don't I th- know i think yeah. our crowd was later wasn't it yeah right Fuck. so okay so in eight but uh, but yeah i think it was much more of like just everybody kind of filing into the basement and figuring out what the hell they're you know what the hell they're gonna do because yeah. trial came out what 88 yeah, recorded yes. eighty seven. I lived in New yeah, York by then. Okay, so I was like, "Oh my god, yep. this came out throughout." Yeah, okay. when that came out, I, I definitely remember. And it's cool because Chris, <laughs> when we originally talked, we were talking about just like how incredible Trial is lyrically and everything. And for you, we were talking on the phone back then. You're like, "Yeah, it's just a record I made." Like, because I was trying to figure out like the lyrics and everything were just so ahead of its. T- I don't know, man. Yeah. Just it was so adult. It was so smart. It was and the, so... and the sound of it. Like I always remember the guitarist. And my band, uh, Charlie, and he was just like, I love that guitar tone. Like, was it Galen Crew or I don't no, know? Uh, it was the the magical ingredient was um, I had a I had a good Marshall at that point. I had a shitty Marshall before. I bought the solid state. I bought yeah. There was like for like one year, Marshall made like a slightly smaller stack. And it was like solid state, no tubes. And it was instead of four 12-inch speakers, it was four 10-inch speakers. But it was like exactly how much money I had from working at the Black Pearl. And I could get a whole brand new mini stack 
it's not the like microscopic Stonehenge looking mini stack. It was like it was <laughs> it was like almost a stack, but it was yeah, like, like two noticeably smaller. Yeah, and then when we recorded Learn, I remember like loading it down the steps into the basement of Inner Ear and kind of setting it up in front of Ian, and Ian just kind of looking at it like. Like it was like the funniest thing you'd ever seen. And I was immediately like, right. oh, oh no, he thinks my app sucks. And then he kind of heard it and he's like, ah, these things sound weird. And yeah, I was like, I was like, oh man, I spent all my money on a shitty board. Nah, and I remember, so yeah, I remember that we had to turn it up really, really loud to get yeah. a nice tone. And, and so it was just too, nice. it was too loud. You so, know? so I had a very burning, like, all right, I'm never going to have a shitty amp again. Mm. So I like what, you know, sold it to some metalhead. And drove all over New England and found like a really good hundred watt Marshall head, like the best one I ever had. And uh, that's all I had for a while. And then uh, I think I told the story on the podcast last time. It's Brian Baker. Brian Baker, Frodo Baggins, stealing you know basically stealing the ring from the cave story. I was down hanging out at the Dagnasty House. Uh, Brian had the rack mount course that he had been using that year, just like sitting around in the in the living room. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is that fucking thing you have with like the tape deck LEDs that like go back and forth. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, you want, you want to buy it? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, like how much? He's like, I don't know, 125. I was like, and this is the thing you used on, can I say? He's like, yeah. He probably didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking <right>. salesman. <laughs> yep. But, but I was, you know, like fucking Bilbo Baggins. I was like, yeah, I'll take the ring. And, you know, so I like drove back to Rhode Island quick and our practice space. Tom Gorman, who was about to join the band, had just bought a Mesa Boogie, um, mainly just because uh, Traders Cove in Newport, our the good guitar store had uh, they just started carrying them, and we you know we kept playing them every day. And we're like Jesus Christ, this sounds good, and so he had bought one, and I came back with the chorus, plugged into the Marshall, you know the little tape deck LED lights, kind of went back and forth. I was like, fucking cool, this sounds good. Yeah. And then I was like, oh Tom, there's a second output. Plug it into your amp, and that was the like, that was the birth of the, the whole aha moment. Yeah. yeah, and and I, I I started playing running, and I was like, you know, it, it was it sounded good out of the Marshall, and then in stereo, it was like orgasmically good, and right. uh, and I was like really happy, like I found the magical, you know ring of power and then I, I, I looked over at tom and tom had the same face for a second but then he got like the angry schmiegel face where he was like oh no it's not mine because he knew he knew he was gonna he was about to play bass for verbal assault so he, he like he could already do the math like oh shit pete's gonna make me like use his amp too i'm gonna have to fucking you know sell this to him it's all his so the power is his and so that that's and that's been the sound since yeah, then yeah but i um yeah. and actually here i'll i'll um I'll uh, I'll fluff Pete right back. So I <laughs> with the uh, with the guitar um, with the guitar sound that was the uh, inspiration for the song on, because um, anytime you would feel tired or exhausted from touring oh. or whatever, it was uh, getting that once that guitar sound started, um, you 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 just felt bulletproof, right. you know. Um, and so and one of the great things about this uh, the stereo setup that Pete had is like so if we were uh, like when we were touring in Europe in '89, um, still playing pretty for the most part, uh, you know, small very small halls or youth centers and stuff like that. Not a great PA, no problem. Mm-hmm. Pete would put you know uh, one uh, you know one cab on either side of the stage. 
and it was just magic, you know? Right. It's just suddenly the room sounded so good, and it sounded so good on stage, and that was such a inspiration as well. So I totally know what you were, where you were coming from talking about Pete's sound. And yeah, his, uh, I mean, it was his... really uh, refreshing at the mm-hmm. time because there were so many bands that were listening to, and, and it just always, yep. like, found its way through. I was like, I got to listen to this again. I got to listen to this again. Was, I love that the the tone yeah. yep. and, and and just everything, the mix of it, it was just different from what was going on, you know. And it was a combination of many things, but the guitar tone I remember very specifically and it just worked so well with like the vocals, the vocals everything, like yeah. everything. I was like, wow. I, and the melodies. The melodies. And, I mean, it was definitely because I'm a huge Dag Nasty fan, yeah, and um, and I was just so into them and anything like melodical hardcore started really getting into it. But this was like on another level, you know. It really was like mm-hmm. holy. Shit. You know, I was just thinking right now. <laughs> I was thinking, and it's never really been duplicated no. since then. But then, not saying they did, but then thinking about going to see Quicksand last night mm-hmm. and Walter's guitar tones I, and yeah, those kind of riffs. Yeah. I just thought, but it's just like I true. Uh, I, I caught I mean, Walter. Uh, I'm going to call you out right now on this podcast. Yes, I I saw you Paris 1989 sneak up onto the stage and knob scope me. He was Trifles. fucking. I mean, I don't, I didn't see a pad and a pen, but he was like, right. he was like, what is the secret to this fucking magic? And he like, <laughs> right. and I kind of was a fan, and and, and, and I, I kind of caught him, but I, I just kind of let him have it. I was like, all right, take whatever you need. <laughs> Maybe you'll do something good with it. I mean, that's the first band that came to mind just now from last night watching them, mm-hmm. like just to get somebody's guitar sound. You know, are you a YouTube fan? Ooh, um, we I, I'd say. In the in the in the touring van, we definitely had a phase, um, uh, and e- yeah, you know, at their apex, all the echoey guitar stuff was just mm. ma- it's just fucking beautiful, magical. Yeah, I've yes. never I've never chased any of it. it right. Like I, I mean, the Clash is my favorite band to this day. I I can't play a single Clash song. I've never taken the time to learn one. Wow, it's weird, but I, I've never been like, a, oh, what do they do? It's right. it's just like. I'm just living my charm life of getting lucky with equipment and letting it take me wherever it goes. Yeah. So in this past 30 years, you guys are back just regular life and not playing music. Do people, well, you play a little bit after, but do people know that you guys were musicians or you guys just, you're doing your regular job, you're being the dad, you're living in another place? In Olympia, um, I've, I mean, there's like maybe seven people that know about Verbal Assault. <laughs> okay. If that's what it feels like. There might be more. Um, like uh, my friend Lois... Uh, who I actually played music with and toured Japan with. Uh, she's on K Records and Killer Rock Stars. Um, her, she was having a chat with her partner. Uh, was from Spokane, Washington, and she's just like, like, who are some of your like favorite like bands in high school? And the first one he said was like, he's like this band, uh, Verbal Assault. And she's just like, kind of looking at him like he's like was dropped as a child or something. And she's like. <laughs> And and he just like went on about this record trial and just like how like kind of interesting it was, but kind of atypical. And and she's like, y- you know, that's Pete's band. And he like he didn't even fucking know. Like, wow. and yeah. you know, we know each other for ten years. Wow. So I, I've been like, I've been pretty like that. That part of my life has been it's just pretty fucking anonymous. And now I have all these like parent friends that are like, 
you're in fucking ver- like you know there's like verbal salt pictures on the internet and they're like what the fuck are you doing there so <laughs> it's like, I like that, man. I uh, love it. it's That's been like cool. a yeah it's been like witness protection programming <laughs> yeah so, Washington same yeah. with you Chris uh sort of I think being um remaining in Newport yeah. um people more uh, associated but it was uh, it was funny actually when I was working the uh, Rhode Island primary a few weeks ago uh, in walks um, you know uh, a friend of mine um, uh, this guy Murph and he comes in and he votes he's oh yeah I'll be at the show on Sunday or whatever and so the other supervisors turn around you know when it's yeah. slow and there weren't you know a line of voters you know so you're in a band or whatever and, it'd be like, yep. and then another friend came in who you know and it was just like you know took a picture of us together and stuff like that so um, I would say probably a little more than Pete yeah. but for the most part um, especially because I never did any music after VA that uh, yeah I sort of did just have my established life or whatever yeah. and it wasn't really a um uh, you know, uh, people wouldn't right, stop me on the street or anything like that. Yeah, I used to like. I used to a chef too. I'm still cooking. I actually cooked for probably twenty twenty five years, and um, and while I, it wasn't my passion. So yeah. I, uh, so actually, ironically or not ironically, but I did uh, end up going back to school for sort of bookkeeping and accounting. And so I kind of made the transition where now I do a lot of bookkeeping for restaurants, you know, so that, yeah, so that's kind of cool. So I definitely, um, uh, the restaurant experience is great just because it teaches you to work hard and, um, you know, and uh, sort of uh, grace under fire or whatever. but uh, again, especially when you start to get older, uh, you have to love to cook to be able to keep doing it. And um, and as much as I, you know, uh, it was fine and I enjoyed it and I definitely respect people who can do it really well. Uh, it wasn't my passion. So it was like uh, my back hurts. I want to get yeah, off. I, and I don't want to stay and I don't want to stand in front of the grill anymore. Yeah. So um, but uh, it's a gnarly, intense, stressful job. It's yes, like, it is. Your friends that do it, it's like yep. nonstop lifestyle. Man. Yep, yep. And so, and 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 it that can be kind of that can have its own, you know, um, things too. You know, I uh, because I did, I had to, um, I quit drinking about twenty one years ago, nice. and um, uh, but I can absolutely trace a lot of my alcoholism to uh working in restaurants or whatever that's where i that's where i learned to be an alcoholic as i would tell my (laughs) tell my friends and my uh my folks but um but uh yeah so it has its own you know upset it it to me that's where you know uh maybe and i'm sure he's in a better place now but um mr anthony burdain that's Mm. he really boy when he first um published that uh he published a little excerpt from what would become Kitchen Confidential in the New Yorker, and it was uh, called. Uh, he called it uh, "Don't Eat Before Reading," or yeah, "Don't Eat Before Reading This," or something. And um, and he just and it was just a, like a little taste of what Kitchen Confidential was, and I was just like, 
holy moly, how did this man get into my mind? You know, <laughs> and then when the book came out, and then when Kitchen Confidential came out, I would just, I'd recommend it to anybody who wanted to, to, to start working in a restaurant. Cause mm-hmm. it's just like, Hey, you know, again, if it's, if, if that's what you feel is your, if that's your passion, then go for it. But I'm like, don't listen to anything anybody tells you at culinary school. Read this book, and that's going to tell you basically everything you're ever going to need to know about uh, working in a restaurant. That's so. been your trick since 1982. I remember you always feeding me like the Saul Alinsky Rules for Radicals book. Johnny Got His Gun. You would always give me like the more political books to like push me like deeper into just like left wing. Oh, okay, good. Psychoticness. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris, is your uh, favorite thing to cook? Are you some of you the best at cooking? Um, no, I not particularly. I I was um <laughs> so for many many years I worked um I was actually sort of became the kitchen manager at this Italian restaurant called Perini's in Newport, and um and I actually still work for the owner. He sold the place and it's uh, now have a new restaurant called Ida's, and that's where I bookkeep. So that was really really good Italian uh, Northern mm. Italian cuisine. We made uh well we still. Made make our own pasta at Ida's and stuff so um so and I did and if I may say so myself I could uh crank out a pretty mean polenta um so yeah so that was kind of that was kind of where a lot of my focus was um but then also what was very nice was for a few years I worked at uh the Whitehorse Tavern in Newport you know which is this like a very historical building and and really like um you know, sort of classic French cuisine, cuisine, you know, that's where I learned how to make a Bernays sauce and stuff like that. So, um, but then also working at, you know, your local clam shack and things mm-hmm. like that, you know, I mean, that's the great thing to me. That's the great thing about, um, about sort of restaurant life is that, um, uh, it doesn't matter. And Bernays would always bring this up. It's like, it doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter what country you came from. If you can work hard and do the, do this under pressure, you know, and show up for work every day. Um, you got a future, you know, and, uh, and, and so, and it's even better if you have started out washing dishes or whatever, again, at the clam, at the local clam shack or whatever. Cause if, again, if you can bust all that out, then we'll move you up to the fry later. And if you can do that, then we'll move you over to the grill, you know? Yeah. And it's uh, so a uh, real uh, meritocracy in, in, in the restaurant world. And that's what uh, that's one of the things I really appreciated about it and uh, getting to meet all sorts of different kinds of people, yeah. meeting, uh, 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 working with lots of uh, immigrants and mm-hmm. stuff. It makes you really appreciate um, uh, the, the hard work that people who come from other countries and, and, and are just trying to make a better life and, 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 and watching them uh, do their thing. Um, so that definitely, uh, I feel like I felt I saw a lot more than I would if I had just uh, gone straight to bookkeeping and just did uh-huh. nothing but sitting in an office, you know? Yeah, 100%. The, um, it just occurred to me how much uh, the restaurant jobs in Newport uh, benefited us and all the hardcore bands because we had access to such great summer jobs. Mm. Not great, but, you know, like you could make a lot of money, you know, just most of us were dishwashers back then. Um, But, yeah, you could just work all summer, work overtime, and, you know, end up at the summer with, you know, in my case, a Les Paul. 
Yeah. You know? And then in between tours, were you guys working too back then? Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the, we had to, you know, cause we, we never made any extra money on tours, like yeah. never. Um, so yeah, we would always like leave a big chunk of the summers to, to work, you know, to just make up on money to pay for the next one. Yeah. Another, I mean, another huge, looking back on it now, another huge thing I realized mm -hmm. was how fortunate we were to do things at the age that we did yeah, them yes. at, you right. know? So being able to head out on tour and, um, you know, without the worrying about rent, mortgage, yeah. your kids, yep. uh, finishing school, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. It, you know, so being able to do a lot of what we did when we were, you know, say 16 through 21 or whatever, yeah. that was enormous, you know. Yes. And, and, and uh, we, I certainly, if we had tried to do everything that we did 10 years later in, in our lives— I don't think it would have happened, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's another thing where you look back and say, "All right, cool. I'm glad that I'm glad everything worked out the way it did." Yeah, I can imagine my son going on tour at like 16. You know, I mean, he's traveling around. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Max. Yeah, he's just 19 yeah, right. now, but like when he was younger, like he would go on tour, and I'm like, I'm like, Are you sure in this world, it's just different. You know? Yeah, it's definitely different. Our, I mean, our first CB show. I think I can't remember. It was, we were in tenth grade or eleventh grade. Tenth or eleventh grade. Wow. Yeah, with with aggression. Do you wow. do you remember wow. that, Chris? Do you have? When was our first CB show? First was, CB show that would have been. Good memory, man. Yeah, probably eighty five, eighty six. No, eighty five. It, it, it had to have been. It was before Learn. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I would say early eighty five, maybe. Yeah. But like, yeah, like. I can't see my 10th grader driving to CBs right now. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I mean, she could probably do it. She's Especially just, back then, too. Like, I know. I know. It's crazy, man. No, I do. I, here's, a, here's a good story. I don't believe uh, uh, exclusive to this podcast. But I can remember, uh, I remember, let's see. So we, we drove down to CBs. We dropped the equipment off. And we were um, looking for a place to park in the Bowery. And uh, we go into this... Um, we go into this parking lot. It was a hot day, hot in the city. And Pete was like, yeah, Chris, you see, the thing is, is that the, New York just has different rules, you know, and you just got to get used to that or whatever. And he, he's as he is saying all this, we, we park, we get out of the van, and then this, like, you know, shirtless Puerto Rican guy with this huge belly just comes over and holds his hand out or whatever. And Pete, without missing a beat, he's like, now, look, why am I giving this guy money? I wouldn't be giving him money anywhere else from New York, but this is the way New York works. Yeah, ex yep, exactly. And then we walked back to CVs or whatever. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. This is a New York rules. Was it intimidating to go play CVs probably back then? Uh, not, not really. I, I went down to New York a lot to hang oh, yeah. out, just, you know, to hang, out, hang out with Richie. Um, so I, I was down there often. Um, Richie Birkenhead. Yeah, that's how I knew the inner workings of the, the parking lot, scene. <laughs> um, so, that's amazing, though. Like, that narration. Yeah. yeah. Were, were you, Pete? Were you listening? To, were you paying attention to like hardcore music in the past thirty years, or like new bands, or keeping? The, there's huge chapters that I'm not aware of, and then when they play like the Tacoma Dome, I'm like, what the fuck? Um, so there's like massive, massive blind spots. Um, yeah. Any like all my friends' bands I keep up on, and then uh, 
and then there's just random uh stuff that filters in um the and and then also brian simmons has been sending me all his stuff so he he's he's kept like a really clear uh like i really appreciate um him being exactly my age and he's just like kept like the purest spirit of like absolutely like really cool punk shit going and really just kind of tries to lift up the the bands that really move him the the band we're playing with gel you're gonna lose your shit you're gonna fucking be in the mosh pit within like two minutes i bet okay where they're Um, from they're from out here they're from new jersey okay um they're they like every youtube video you see it just turns into a riot there's like a goat running through the pit everyone just starts taking their shirts off and waving them around like it's fucking it uh, i don't know it's amazing yeah there's they um so i've been i've like been watching them because brian sends me all their stuff for a couple years i heard them oh yeah yeah i i've yeah i felt um there's a couple band like turnstile fiddlehead there's like a bunch of bands where i'm like I'm not and I'm not saying this to like take any credit but I'm just like I feel like um, a tiny bit of like inspiration or DNA or something like made it down like turnstile just like kind of genre bending you know uh, like uh, that just kind of warms my heart and they're obviously really fucking good yeah Um, and they actually give credit to the inspirations you know what I mean yeah um, which is nice yeah so the the ones that always jump out are the kind of east coast from a weird town uh <laughs> that obviously like practice harder than a lot of other bands right. and yeah and then just uh take off and i, I just those are the ones that kind of warm my heart the most so um, are you, are you guys feeling the same um is it a different kind of fun or energy or excitement playing these songs 30 years later to these these crowds do you feel the same you did 30 years ago going on stage or is it a different feeling I um I have this weird sensation where like back then I've said this a couple times in other interviews but not in this podcast. Yep, not on this podcast yet. <laughs> Unless I already did and can't remember. No. Um the back then there was like a aspirational quality to all of it, you know. We were fucking young. We were like 17, 18 when we were at trial. Um so not exactly the most world weary. Um but so there was an, what I keep saying is like an aspirational thing, like how we hope things will turn out and how we want things to be. Yeah. And yeah, 30 years later, you have a couple more experiences under your belt. And um, so now, like what, um, like when I hear Chris's lyrics now, it's sort of like a checking in with your foundational documents and seeing how you kind of, made it you know how'd you do (laughs) you know it's you're halfway through your life or more and like how did you hold up to these ideas and uh Mm. and i like i like the song anger battery to me like i should get one of those like little quilted prayer things and put it on the wall of those lyrics because it just goes through my head every fucking day every you know after every you know miserable news item that i read i'm just i just tuck another fucking you know charge into the anger battery and suck it up um there i think there needs to be a second part to that like what do you do with the overly charged anger battery Mm. um but the but yeah so 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 now it's it's less aspirational and more like uh i mean in a way i'm trying to think of how to get more tangible things done um 
uh, I'm always thinking like like how to save the world kind of shit. It's just like a baked in part of my brain. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, th- there is a difference, and there's a physical lack of testosterone in the band. It's just not there. So there's less. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, There's and there's like I know myself now. I I don't need to be jumping three times a song. Mm. No one needs to see that. Uh, So I'm just I'm just playing the songs as well as I can. And uh, uh, just trying to playing with intent rather than like some like you're not going to see like an air air assault. Yeah. Yeah. No, I and actually that's (laughs) great that that like leads into exactly what I was going to talk about, which was more of like um, what you do, and maybe you can relate, uh, both of you guys can relate to this, is sort of how um, I joked with these guys when we did get back together. I said, look, you guys can either watch me run around on stage or you can listen to me sing, but you don't get to see both at the same time anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And so what it, you know, so what it, uh, so for me, kind of the challenge was like, once I realized like, okay, cool, I can still, I can still physically sing. So we can, we've gotten that far. Now, what am I going to be doing exactly, you know? And so in some ways, like, I've really tried to concentrate on, um, I don't know, having kind of a different stage presence. Where, that. You know, where I don't move around as much, but I try to um, uh, be expressive in a different way. And... Um, it, and and a lot of times that's fine anyway because we're not it's not like we're playing huge places you know so it's like it's a small stage anyway I mean, <laughs> that way I don't bump into Pete and, and, yeah. and Dylan yeah and um but to 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 try and um sort of husband like it's like okay we're gonna I wanna I wanna give everything I can for these you know forty five minute forty five to sixty minutes or whatever how do I do that um at my age and 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 you know uh again try and translate what what we used to do 30 years ago now you know and so it's been um it's been an experiment but it's also been really fun and 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 kind of cool in a way because precisely because it's like okay you're kind of gonna you know you're gonna play your two feet in front of the mic stand and go for it (laughs) Um, it's like, okay, well, I know where my feet are now. Um, so now I can concentrate on what's coming out of my mouth here and make sure I'm singing from the diaphragm and all that good stuff and, and leaving a little, uh, leaving a little on the table so that I got something for tomorrow, you know, after a few more cups of, uh, you know, throat coat tea and, and all that stuff. So, and and you're, and you're feeling Chris the same, is it a different energy you're feeling playing these songs later on in life? Yeah, it's I uh, um uh, for me right now it is kind of uh rediscovering um all that went into making that music, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And also um the other I I mean things have been kind of I don't want to say a whirlwind or whatever cuz it hasn't been that crazy or whatever. <laughs> but for me it's personally for someone who's been mm-hmm. like a little turtle in a shell for the past 5 <laughs> years it does feel like a whirlwind. Yeah. And um and so what's really exciting is that people are coming up with new riffs and we're thinking about new songs Ooh, and yeah, wow. you know, so but 
I personally haven't gotten that far yet. And yeah. so like one of the things that I've been promising the rest of the band, it's like, yes, pencil will be going to paper, you know, when we get back <laughs> home from this tour. And, and, um, so sort of, um, you know, so using, let's see. So I guess the answer to your question would be that, that playing these old, rediscovering these old songs is kind of becoming a springboard for me to say like, all right, cool. Knowing what we know now and doing those old songs, how what's the next step? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and so um, and that I'm really looking forward to, and and that's and that's like um, where uh, modern technology is definitely your friend. You know, it was really it was really interesting um, talking with the Soul Side guys who are like, you know, they're way, you know, they've already been written, writing new songs, they've recorded yeah. and stuff like that, so they're way ahead of what you know we're doing but it, so it was really interesting to listen to bobby and, and johnny and those guys um talk about how they put the new album together uh you know i th- i believe johnny said you know you know we hardly we never wrote any of this stuff while we were all in the same room wow, you know and it was right. like yeah mm-hmm. pretty cool you can you can do that i i don't think i'd want to record that way nah. but um but you can certainly, certainly do that these days. So, um, you know, much, much easier. So, uh, so that's going to be really fun too. So, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and it just, huh. it just seeing how those songs stood the test of time. Yep. You know, and people have been waiting to see you guys and to get, finally get to see you. And I'm excited yeah. to see these guys. I mean, the last time I saw them was. Yeah, I'm super stoked. The I last mean, time we talked was when you played with them, right? And yeah. Buffalo. 89. At the uh, River Rock. Was that the really hot <laughs> show or the really cold show? I'm assuming it was cold outside and hot. Inside, <laughs> inside. yeah, there you go. That buffalo weather. There yeah. Was, there was like a blizzard show and there was like oh, a right. like a insanely hot, humid show. Was it the upstairs show? Or yes. The, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I, I don't remember the actual things as much as the weather and the height. Um, <laughs> loading. How easy was yeah. loading? Yeah. Uh, but now I, I have a question about. So when you recorded trial, everyone was recording in the same room, or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen how it's different now. Like, yeah. It now. yeah, yeah. And and that's how you s- recorded your last album as well. In the same room, yeah. Why Separator doesn't do that? No, no. Where, really? No. Where are your band members? In Brazil, right? They all live in Sao Paulo. So he's the only member here. You've, you've got yeah. to know how to. The only gringo. Send a vocal track over the internet. No, I mean, nor I mean, I was living in Brazil, so we wow. record and 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 we would be together wow. and writing the songs in Sao Paulo, and then we would go to a studio somewhere to, with the producer, or before even having a producer, just have the songs kind of formatted and mm-hmm. done. Yep. After jamming for so long, it's yep. like, okay, this is how it's going to be with some vocals and, yeah and then we go to the studio and we usually would do the first people are playing i'm not doing anything i i'm sitting there for probably three four weeks We're the last in one the recording the last i'm one. the last yeah. one so i'm just kind of like going through a lot of the lyrics because i can hear everything very clear yep. mm-hmm. in a very huh. different way and i'm like i like to write you know more stuff on top of that but yeah it's great to change it up but we're usually drums first um, with Same. just the guitars. Same. And then after he's done, then um, rhythm guitar. This is fascinating. And <laughs> like, I don't know how the world works like, anymore. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. what's been going on for the last and three then decades? And after that, uh, bass, 
and some solos along with that. Huh. And then uh, and then I come in last with them still doing like lead yeah. and vocals, like switching vo- off. What about vocal melodies? This- um, is that later on after you do your main No, vocal? that actually comes in the rehearsals where you're just jamming out things. I think a lot of times there's no lyrics and it's just like making up stuff. And then that, that moment, just having a recording, like, man, that melody was kind of cool, mm-hmm. even though there's no words or anything. Right, yeah, sure. And it's like, that was the moment that just sounded so natural. Yep. It just came out, and that ends up being used. You know, like, that melody, it's like, wow, that's going to stick in there. Yep. Finding words for that I was melody. just about to say, <laughs> right. so then getting lyrics, yeah. finding the right lyrics that exactly. fit into that. Right, right. Okay, cool. I, I've, been, yeah. I've been trying to keep track of people's processes, because I, like, I'm... Honestly, I'm I'm not like a wellspring of creativity at the mm-hmm. moment. It's it's weird. Like I'm I'm a you know like a fifty something year old dad, general contractor, and uh, like I'm I don't have that. You know, when I was writing music all the time, that's what I did, and that was my yeah. whole identity. And now I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm the level of cockiness I need to write another <laughs> sick riff. You know, and how am I going to find that? Uh, but when you're when you're talking about the melodies. Mm. It, it reminded me of um i've been kind of keeping track vocally of like little tidbits i hear about people's process because it that strikes me as the weirdest part and mm. i think the, it's cool to change it up though you yeah know? Totally. you know like really try different things because we have done the whole room thing where everyone's in the same i room. do that i love that you live, know live performance. And, and that's what ross robinson was like really a producer that was like yeah we're all going to be in the same room while your drummer is mm. tracking right. you're going to do vocals you're going to play guitar and it's going to have the feeling like you are Playing on the stage mm-hmm. when that i was great yeah when i moved to olympia i was hanging around with the sunny day real estate guys a lot and i, I remember chatting with jeremy the singer like like what his process was and he was he was like really just nakedly like i just literally make up crazy ass sounds and then plug in words later right that that was the base that was like basically what he told me i was like are you fucking serious like you're making you're making like hundreds hundreds of people cry every night and you're literally just mumbling into the microphone and then putting words in later and make gluing it all together right and and then then I, i realized like that i mean because sonically his shit is so cool it's just like an emotional you know right so if you started from from the words and tried to weave something like that that would be it, tricky but it then, would be, yeah so that that like unlocked a switch in my brain and then I, i've heard other people do i think i heard pat from fiddlehead on a podcast saying kind of had a similar approach where we'll just like scream it all out and then yeah. kind of fill in the gaps uh, i might be yeah. wrong on that but um uh, yeah creative process has become fascinating to me as I am looking for a new one. Yeah. No. And it's funny. uh, um, If I remember correctly, that guy, Brian lamb on C-SPAN used to do a show called book notes where he interview authors, but that would always be one of his questions. How do you write? How do you you use a typewriter? Do you use a pen and paper? You know, and then, you know, how do you edit who edits the stuff? And um, that would always be part of the interview. And it really was an interesting part of the interview because, yeah. A, everybody has a different way of doing it. True. And, B, uh, you know, it, it can be its own form of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You oh, know, yeah. kind yeah, of thing. So, yeah. And especially, and then to take it to the other level, like, so, or to take it back to the music, 
with music, it's even more complicated because there's so many more elements to it and more physically more people that um, yeah. it definitely is. It, it definitely is interesting to hear it, how each person goes, you know, how each band goes about making their making their tunes. You know, Derek, yeah. Derek, you started on asking how trial was made, and it was it was literally just all four of us in the studio, and then I think Chris went back and redid vocals and double yep. so we did right. scratch, but, scratch scratch track yeah you know, scratch and then track. but yep. we were like we had been playing those songs on tour so we, mm-hmm. we had them locked in uh, like we, okay. we had we had played most of those songs out a lot so they were they were oh, just that's great. And, and we yep. yeah <laughs> the we were like with learn uh like we wanted like we wished it was more guitar heavy like we wanted it. Ian was pretty insistent. Like, no, you sound like this is what you sound like. This is what you get. And we're like, we, but we won't argue. With but, him. Yep. Yeah, we're like, okay. But behind the scenes, we're like, but we want to sound better, you know, and and, right. and more. So with trial, uh, Chris and like Chris said, all these like double things. Like I think even in writ- written out, so he would be fast on the track. And there's a lot of vocal doubling, and I th- I think I doubled almost all the guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was definitely a thing. And yep. and then. Uh, as these things go, by the time we got to record on, uh, we were like, ah, let's just do it more like we are live. Right. So we just did, you know, cool. one take, ba- yes. barely any overdubs. Right. It sounds cool, but in retrospect, I wish I wish we took a little more time, like we did with Trial, because it's there's parts that are just you know mushier and right. less, less distinct because we didn't you know take the time to double, but. You know, it is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, one. Yeah. The um, uh, Pete's absolutely right about um playing the songs before trial, and and we've definitely uh, done this on previous podcasts. But um, you know, it's why I always say that first tour that we did with Seven Seconds, um, opening for Seven Seconds in '86 through '87, how huge that was, sure, both to yeah. both to play in front of a, a crowd, big crowds that mm-hmm. we wouldn't have played a, it, we, who wouldn't have seen us. Um, if we had been headlining and then playing the songs every single night, you know, and it was just like, um, that by the time we got into the studio, uh, it was like, if I, I mean, I can't remember now, but it seemed like pretty much one take for a lot of, so we did not spend, we did not spend a lot of time getting down the basic tracks. Right. Uh, we spent a lot, then Pete spent a lot of time afterwards tweaking the sound but the actual putting the songs on tape went very, very fast. And that's just because we were playing them every, you know, yes. at that point we had written most of the songs for trial and, and we had the good fortune of being able to play them out live every night in front of big enthusiastic crowds. And yeah. it was, that was huge, huge. Was that the huge, new huge. wind tour? Oh, wow. Yeah. 86? It was 86. It was the, the, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah. But I don't know new. if the record was out yet. I, don't I love that record. And it was, Ke- and if if talk about U two, that was Kevin's U two, U two year, fringy fringy jacket. We're like, yeah. Kevin, what are you doing? Long hair. We're like, dude, we're, we're not we're not there yet. Like, don't <laughs> don't go this far. So I know, I know. <laughs> Ian produced that record too, right? Yeah. Uh, did he? I think so. I, no, I, I think could be wrong. I think it might have been like a record it in three places kind okay. of record. Wow, wow. I mean, I love that record. I know, yeah. yeah. I love that chapter of seven seconds when they got more melodic. 
right? Yeah, yeah no, this was, it. and it was, um, and yeah, so that was such a great tour. I mean, not only because they were just the nicest guys on the planet, but um, but yeah, they had, uh, it was walk together, rock together, yeah. kind of straightforward stuff, getting into the Mormon. I mean, yeah. they were just, they were firing on all cylinders. So yeah. it was, uh, and so that's what made it, you know, just uh, uh, really fun. Um, the praise record. Yeah. EP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember that tour being like being like the little, you know, diehard seven second skater kid that didn't want him to wear like the U2 fringy coats yeah. <laughs> being like, oh, come on, don't do that. Totally. But then then by then being like, you know, fucking live your life. Do whatever you want. Yeah, like and, and and like it was like a huge just, you know, another kindness that, uh, hey, there's a That's naked man nice. running through hey. the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, put, good. put a shirt on, kid. Max. Come I on. met these guys when I was, I was way younger than you, obviously, in Rhode Island. Really? Yeah. yeah. Before even a thought, before I saw your mom. There would be no you <laughs> if it wasn't for us. There's no way he would have turned out the way he did without us. But isn't it crazy how we were when we were kids? Like we kind of just the hardcore blinders on. We're like, oh, God, we love you so much. Blind. Don't change. Yeah. yeah. But then if you, mm-hmm. it's like you can't. I don't think it's only in hardcore. Yeah. That exists yeah. extreme. I mean, in metal too. Very oh, much God. so, yeah. more yeah, so guess, yeah. than anything. Sure, I, I mean, I didn't that. realize how many like conservative metalheads were out there. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm pretty naive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that. No. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really in that whole world, but I was just like, wow, in music, I just never imagined you know, people being so like, yep. especially mm. when you look at like you know like Metallica fans or yeah, yep. incredible I at, at that time. Yep. Well, yeah, they're. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, another thing, you're right. And another thing, and again, we've we've kind of covered this in in previous interviews, but, uh, you know, one of the things that was really great about Newport, growing up in Newport, was uh, precisely because it was such a small town, um, really like any, all the musicians kind of had to hang out together. Right. And so that's where... You would so like you know when we went to high school with uh, throwing muses you know mm-hmm. and um, yeah. and then uh, you know so and Fred Abong who played in Vicious Circle you know ends up joining uh, you know ends up forming Belly with the Gorman Brothers and there's all this kind of um, uh, uh, mixture of mm, different okay. of Tell different me. stuff mm-hmm. and and so I think that was one of the reasons that there's. Again, for such a small town, there's a surprising amount of music that comes out of it, and um, and and the good stuff I think uh, really really benefited from um, having that kind of like nice mixture. And and I would always tell people that it's like you know, I, in some ways, I'm glad we lived close to New York and Boston and D.C., but I'm really glad we didn't live in Boston, New York, right. or D.C. Yeah. because I bet you anything. We would have ended up sounding like yep. a New York, yeah. Boston, or DC <laughs> right, band, right. you know, uh, depending yeah, totally. on. Uh, and, and and instead, we got this nice, uh, yeah. this nice variation. It's sort of like style. it's sort of like any small town, but being literally from an island, there's something there's like when anyone like goes too far out of whack, you, you just see it so clearly, you know. Yeah. Uh, so there's just like a I don't know like I, f- I feel like you just had to be. You know, you could go pretty far down any subgenre you wanted to, but you also had to fucking like fit in on the island a tiny bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the whole cross pollination thing is is yes, a real. Yes, that's the word thing. I was looking cross for. Yep. Yes. Nope, that's exactly it. Exactly. And then, Chris, what kind of stuff do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to? So, uh, uh, I 
when Pete was talking about big blind spots, I was like, perfect. That's an, <laughs> that's my answer too. You know, because uh, same way, it's not like I ever um, um, said like I don't like this music anymore. I'm going to listen to something else. It's yeah. just I just didn't really. I don't. I didn't listen to a whole lot of music. You know, um, in general, and so um, again, big blind spots of. Um, sort of post VA bands that I, you know, I might've missed. Um, and again, that's one of the, the great things about, um, uh, uh, doing this again is getting to see, you know, getting yeah. to see, uh, new younger bands and stuff. And, um, again, especially with, uh, you know, having Brian, you know, set us up we did a bunch of shows with, uh, this band wrong war from uh, Chicago. They were really cool. Nice. Bitter branches. Um, bitter branches was great. Yeah. Bitter yeah. Branches. All these fucking great bands. Yep. So, fuck. yep, it sure is. And so it, um, so when I profess my ignorance, it's not out of, um, it's that shouldn't be uh understood as a criticism or anything else it's simply ignorance yeah it's and just pure wants, ignorance anyone who wants to judge us you try being like a 35 year old parent when like myspace is happening you're not going to go into myspace as a 35 year old like a pervert <laughs> so we missed there's some blind spots we don't we didn't keep up with everything because we're what, what about like what about other genres like like hip-hop Were you guys like hip-hop heads at all uh i mean not not yeah all the old shit from you know up to 1989. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Public Enemy was the last one. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty, why? Why there were bands after? Yeah. Rap, <laughs> rap music had, uh, went on um, after. Uh, after. Uh, like, what about it, your kids? Are we, <laughs> no, and I, actually, the um, hip hop. No, but I would say one thing that really uh, uh, I can remember specifically when I was doubling a lot of vocals in trial i was uh consciously saying uh, listening to to rap and saying like that is cool when people sort of punctuate the last you know a uh, couple words right. or whatever yeah. you know yeah. so that was mm -hmm. that was good um and then um but yeah i hadn't i, I mean it's weird because after um after va broke up and i went back to school got my degree and then i ended up working for uh, working for Belly, um, you tour manager or something? Yeah, nice. so I just started selling shirts and then kind of worked my way up, and it was tour managing, and that was really fun um, uh, for a whole other set of reasons. But like, um, but it was cool. So, for instance, one of the one of the very coolest things we did was the Belly Radiohead tour wow. in 1984. You know, or 1994, um, and that was pretty amazing because that's what it that was just when you know creep had broken and yeah. and they were starting to play songs from the bands live but i mean they were still you know just this very young band from oxford or whatever and so it was uh getting to uh like getting to meet and hang out with those guys or whatever and sort of see that from the ground floor or whatever was uh was super inspiring didn't um, didn't you uh sherlock holmes the fact that trial was recorded at the same place that oh uh, yeah there you was go it the bend it's a, well right because it all you know it's all one big yeah. mush or whatever so um <laughs> right with the uh, uh, the studio where we let's see mixed trial right because we recorded it we recorded the tracks at Newberry Sounds and then trial we recorded and mixed all at the same all at the same okay yep. so, all right so oh that's right that's and then right all the equipment got stolen right at the end yep 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 oh, really? so we had a car yeah. chase 
No, so car chase through Boston. Yep. What? what? They only got like one of the amps. And Anyways, my, and my diary. But, Ooh, um, I know. Ew. Ouch, ouch. That Dear diary, the, thinking yep. about becoming a petless cat lady. Yep. <laughs> um, so in any case, the uh, that that studio where we recorded eventually became the um, uh, the where the office was, where Belly's manager was. And so, you know, it was like all this, like, so when we first, when I first went over to Fort Apache Studios, which is where um, they, uh, uh, where it was, you know, it was like, hey, this looks very familiar. And I'm like, oh, okay, nope, it all comes around. You know, it's all, we're all one big uh, happy family here or whatever. So, um, so no, so that was fun. Uh, working with Belly was great, just because again got to got to um, sort of uh, see some different you know totally. types of bands and stuff like that. But um, I, like I always tell people that I never really consider myself a musician in the way that like um, Doug, our drummer, and Dylan, our bass player, are those guys just never stop playing. And yeah, they're still, mm-hmm. in fact, they probably are playing a gig right now before <laughs> you know sound checks or whatever. They, they never stop playing. Yeah, yeah always, you know. Right? Yeah. And so, um, and so for me, it was kind of like, I don't know that 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 kind of aided the separation from just kind of being able to zone out. And suddenly, twenty years later, I'm like, uh, no, I, I haven't heard of that band. So you know. <laughs> Wow, man. It's cr- it's cool to have you guys here, and I'm excited to see you guys play tonight, too, man. Yeah, yeah. this is going to be really, really fun. Excited, Did you guys man. talk about before? Uh, so Trial was on Giant yep. Records? Yeah. So that was a change. I, I, I remember at the time, I was like, oh, you know, Giant yeah. was something it was becoming a, like a more subsidiary of a major? Major, or? yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it was no? Dutch East India. Right. So they, I mean, Dutch East and Homestead. So they were maybe the name seemed crazy. Yeah, to, to like, hardcore oh. kids, it seemed like a major. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I but was it, like, this it was. Is a, they're on a major now. You know, a, I remember you know, that. Like, okay, here we go. Yeah, like, that. Yeah, that whole chapter. I mean, it was a great mistake because we got an epic <laughs> album that we spent. All you know, they gave us five thousand bucks, which then was like yep. wow. a million. And we, we, dollars. we spent like we spent every penny. A million uh, you know, dollars. Like we, you know, at the end we were like. You know, watching the clock, fucking, you know, with like the little budget to figure out how long we could stay in the studio. So we just (laughs) spent it all in the recording and it sounded fucking great. And, but by signing that thing, we fucked ourselves. Really? Yeah. Cause, you know, they just folded up their tent and then they technically have the rights. You know, we recorded, I shouldn't be saying this, but, you know, if they want to come after us. Can you get the rights after a certain amount of years? I, I, I finally, with Jordan Cooper and Dave Stein, we came up with a strategy, and Dave Stein. Shout to Dave Stein. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. come on, yeah. the fucking wizard. Um, yeah, he was like, I think we should try the catch them with honey approach on this one. <laughs> right. So, so I, you know, I just I we, and then Jordan was like, you know, tracked him down. Barry, the owner, tracked him, tracked him down, and uh, so I just cold called him and was, you know, did a lot of listening. He was he's pretty. Uh, bitter about how I, I believe he had we just went through lawsuit hell uh, with like Wilco I think okay um, so I think he went through like the legal ringer um, because just like Verbal Salt all these other bands were just in limbo yeah and Wilco had clout I, I think it was Wilco anyways he, he was definitely like old embittered uh, kind of mm-hmm. had like a Mr. Uh, 
Smithers is that the yeah like like I got that vibe, but I, I just listened for a long time, and then you know I was like, well, I don't know about all that, but you know I'm really appreciative that that we got the chance to record that record, and and how about I just buy the rights from you, like I'll yes. pay you like like what would be fair, and then we we chatted about it for any he, he was like, all right, I don't know, like I think we came up to like. Three thousand bucks or something like that. I was what? like, I'll fuck it. I'll, I'll write you a check right now. Yeah. And, right, then, yeah, yeah. and then Dave sent him a contract, and then he got bogged down on a couple of details, and then he stopped picking up the phone, and it it just fizzled. So we we got close. At, at the no, same time, government issue just was like, I think they just had a lawyer send him a letter, and it was like, fuck you, we're doing this, you know, and we're putting our stuff out, and wow. sue us if you want to. Um, so and they they had already done that, so that path was was laid out and at our at our scale you know it's not like you know we're not selling millions of records at all um so we just I think we can continue to fly under the radar the, uh, the one thing by, I, yeah oh, by yelling yelling into podcasts that we're illegally recording yeah, exactly. uh, releasing our stuff <laughs> yeah. again our lawyer you yeah. can reach our lawyer at you know whatever uh, <laughs> um the uh, one thing I'll I'll say about uh giant at that time mm-hmm. was uh it was kind of exciting like I liked how they seemed to be putting together a stable of bands yeah. that were all really good um but were maybe trying to do something a little different yeah, the, yeah. you know so yeah. you think of a, a, a government issue uniform choice yeah. uh, dag nasty right. you know us justice um, league you know justice, uh, justice league, league. Yes, there you go right. you know yeah. so i mean that you know and so it's like hey that's pretty cool yeah. you know i mean yeah. that was good i i maybe you know looking back on it yeah it's probably you know we didn't make the greatest choices or whatever but at the time it was like this seems pretty legit, you know. Right. It seems yeah. like yeah, I, yeah. I like the idea of what these guys are trying to do. And you know? by not having any of your records available for thirty years, when you come back, it's like a Sasquatch, like a Sasquatch sighting. Everyone's just like, "What the fuck?" Yep. Right. Yeah. So I it's like, like how do you get oh, older this our man. shit is so hot right now. <laughs> it's on Spotify though, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now Spotify it is. and Chris uh, the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find your music. We can find the music on. Finally, yeah, on it Spotify. took a while because it's on I, Instagram on Instagram stories you can use Robo Salt. Oh, that. okay. Because on um, Spotify, I was always just like, I need this in my playlist. Where yeah. is it? Where yeah. is I it? Where is it? Yeah, you can find that. Damn. So the record, you can't get a print of that now, huh? You can. Yeah. Okay. okay. Atomic Action put okay. it back oh, out, nice. and so yeah, it's all been remastered by Nick Townsend. That's amazing. Oh, remastered. Wow. Yeah, and he 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 did a fucking great job. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So the Spotify stuff. Oh, you sent me that. So sounds, I can only re-release it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it sounds it yeah. sounds sounds better I'm than that. I'm excited for new music too, Pete. This is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta. Yeah. You get inspired <laughs> to write these riffs, bro. I'm inspired. I just I'm a, I'm just like, who am I now? I'm, <laughs> am I a? Yeah. I I, I just feel like it was gonna say earlier like, about uh-huh. harmonies and stuff like. Luckily, that Rusty Pistachio backs me up with yes. three-part harmonies with my Senor brother. Senor Pistachio, but yes. Chris, Chris, you guys sing backups probably live, but on the record, I feel like his guitar was almost like that harmony for Chris. Mm. Like a lot of the melodies mm. I felt from his guitars and some of the riffs on, hmm. on that record, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was They were perfect for each other. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I ever did any backing vocals on record with wow. Verbal Salt. I would live. Yeah, I, I, to this day, I'll like be in the car trying to like match my voice to Chris's. I still have no idea where it is. I'm like, his voice sounds amazing. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going high. I'm going low. I can't fucking find it. And, and it is. Chris is in the bathroom. We're talking about right now. Yeah, his voice sounds Fuck amazing him. on the videos I'm seeing. On the right, right. 
so psyched. I'm stoked, man. I, I, I love the fact. I mean, for me, I always have a. I've always had a low voice, you know, baritone bass. I noticed. You don't say. <laughs> so you don't say. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I've, I've always admired vocals that are much higher than mine, and I was always envious, always trying to sing yeah. those songs. I'm like, damn it, I can't get it. You know, I, like it's a challenge, but I'm always. I can't sing high to save my life. Right. I'm exactly Joe Strummer's range, except on like a couple early songs. Right. And which isn't much of a range. He's got like a maybe one scale of. But it's, but it's I, perfect. I, I love I it. Yeah, it's like it really. Fits Strummer's in voice there. is like so perfect. Yeah, it's so. Like you're right. He does, have, he does have one range. Right. I'm, 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 I want a Derek Sepultura ballad, though. I want a ballad. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting <laughs> to do this ballad. If he wants I, to do a ballad. I mean, I think, I think your fans would kind of trip out. On I that. mean, speaking of like ballad type stuff i mean on trial with like who yeah. who played the piano that was me nice yeah. nice because that was like bro that changed the whole game also i was like we need in hardcore so- yeah you know in hardcore because i was just like oh man it's like it makes sense to have something extremely dramatic you know in the very beginning where it can just like work its way into something it's beautiful dude. you know and i was like oh that's that's so it brings so much emotion to the song it worked you know? it was a Kind of rolled the dice on that one, but Bro, it, was, it was a good roll because yeah, nobody roll, was man. really doing it. Nobody like ever that. did it, man. Nobody right. Since piano, it yeah. Did, yeah, it didn't inspire like a tinkling of the ivory revolution afterwards. You never heard the piano ever yeah, come back. Kind of cool though, still. It's yeah. on you guys. We covered that song, and my brother yep. talked to yep. piano on that. Right, actually. I was about yep. to say, nice. they did it very I remember. Nice. Thank you. That that was when we first got back in touch, Toby, and I remember. Yes. I remember the last thing I wrote to you was like. Good luck to the bass player. Wow. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, like Dylan's bass stuff, if, you, re- yeah, if you really get into it, it's pretty bananas. It was nice. It was nice <laughs> talking to you guys throughout 30 years, like here and there and catching up yep. and all that. And it's what, crazy. I have a question. When you're writing lyrics, would you discuss what you're writing with the rest of the... Mm. Never. Nope. And, and I uh, do the same. Pe- no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, people have been... Um, uh, very nice and asked us like um, or asked me specifically like so what were you know what was going through your mind what was your inspiration right. how yes. do you do it right. and my answer to all that is uh, <laughs> I have no idea yeah. no idea where the so there wasn't from well uh, hey, subconsciously I'm sure it's from I, books it, it, yeah. all and, subconscious and, and, all right, subconscious right. I can't I honestly cannot tell you where it came from and so and for me that's also a little freaky right now because and maybe that's i mean i've been you know we've been busy just trying to get the band right. uh moving again but um i gotta confess that is probably a little uh subconscious there too where it's like well i don't know where those other words came from and now i'm supposed to make new words and uh right, i don't right. know i really don't know where they're coming from right, 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 right. so yeah. um you know, uh, so it's very. Um, I, I again, I just, I, um, I, I just don't know. So right. uh, you know, again, it'll be interesting. I'll tell you what. When we do start, right, when I do write some new lyrics, I will get on the phone or right. we'll do a new podcast, well, and I'll tell you immediately how I. I, I I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. To, I'm curious because uh, I mean, I love the fact of being able to change things up, or at least challenge yourself to change things up, and I know. On our last album, I was able to, instead of doing the process that we've always done where it's like, okay, I'm mumbling some stuff and then I'll come with with some lyrics later. I decided to write out ideas and, and, and start with like a focal point of the album of like, this album's generally going to be about this focal okay. point and take off from 
those things. Uh, and so I had like these uh, cork board in my room and then I would have these uh, like uh, postcard type things and I would write out like, this is the topic I want to write about. This is another one and have okay. like 10. Yep. Then whenever I would wake up, I would think of ideas hmm. for that topic yep. and then just kind of put phrases and words along the side. This was like a really interesting way okay. of like piecing things together because yep. once the music came I was like oh man I have some flow of thoughts for this god I love hearing this fits perfectly for this song okay. this topic yep. and then there was already words kind of there and I was like ah I've already been sleeping waking up to these words mm -hmm. so they're really in your Neat. head okay. so that really worked well, I'm like a Derek I, Green masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Vision board. With Vision Derek board, Green. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very it, inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. Because there cool. might be something you see here, like, well, yeah. like I was watching, uh, what was the movie? Uh, Stone, uh, about the. Oh, man. He's such Spinal a. Tap? No, no. It was like a really serious movie. Um, he played in the last movie. Last mo no, no, no. Oh, uh, Daniel Day Yes. Day Daniel Day Lewis. My left yeah. yeah. uh, actor. There might be blood. Yes. Oh, there will be blood. There Man, will, there will be blood. Will be blood. Not, not May. There will. There will be blood. That movie, that movie is insane. Insane. Uh, yep. Yep. But extremely inspiring. Yep. And I was just like, yep. oh man. With a uh, soundtrack by uh, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Wow. wow. Weaving the tapestry. Really? Weave it. Did it not. all comes together, doesn't it? Did not. Wow. Yeah. Is no that idea. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe soundtrack. he was nominated that year for an Academy. Uh, he didn't win it, but he right. was uh, he was nominated Best Soundtrack. That's incredible. Yeah, is that cool? Wow, that is really that. cool because that movie was in the soundtrack. Yep. Everything yep. was. No, very intense film. Intense. Very intense. Intense. Um, I have one. When when you were talking about your kind of vision board mm -hmm. thing, I was literally picturing fucking. For me, it's all been, uh, you know, just the news of the last five years. Right. That, that's. I mean, that that's why, you know, getting the band back together made sense to me. Cause just like doing something, uh, you know, gathering with people in a time of like, oh yeah, extreme political distress insanity yeah like so so like when you were talking about your vision board i was literally just like picturing like fucking trump january yes. 6 you know the fucking new yes. prime minister of italy and Absolutely. like right. like the like the i mean not to get too gloomy but the <laughs> but things aren't going good uh, <laughs> uh, you know and just to like like um my, my dad was born in poland and oh, um, really? a lot of uh yeah, so I, I've always had this World War II obsession because mm. uh, without mm -hmm. without World War II, uh, there wouldn't have been a me because yep. the my grandfather was the military diplomat to the U.S. Wow! Right before the war, so so he and my grandmother and my dad were on like vacation in New Hampshire when the the day the war broke out, September first. He got sent back, sent to England where the government was reconvening. And my grandmother was just stuck in D.C. with like two little kids like what the fuck Whoa. and like so that's how, that. yeah so like the, it's always been this like holy shit without well, this yeah. crazy ass thing <laughs> and then you know the Polish family you know had an uncle that died in Auschwitz and uh, the other one that died in the Katyn uh, forest massacre from the Russians right so I've just always had this like uh, fascination kind of more not not morbid just a, a historical uh, awareness of just you know fascism Right. And uh, <laughs> fa fascism is 
doing yep. fucking great right now. Yeah, you know, in, right, right. Even in fucking Sweden, which is where my other family, my mom's from. Right. Uh, so it's it's a uh, and it ties back to kind of what I do. I mean, I do like energy efficient green building stuff. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that came out of. Um, failing at working for Greenpeace because it just drove me insane and uh, wanting to do something uh, environmentally tangibly Tangible, good right. but something that wouldn't drive me insane because activism just uh, it's it's a tough I, I, I just don't feel like I have the makeup for it but from all that environmental studying I did like I, I don't want to say I knew it was going to happen like a lot of smart people knew climate refugees were going to put huge pressure on, you know, the first world and create all these problems and probably lead to fascism. So I've, I've just, I've known this since like the, since I was in college in the eighties, like, like I knew this shitty wave was coming. Yeah. And, uh, and people knew it there too. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. keep yeah. saying, you know, they've always and been, yeah. Yeah. So, so the, scary knowing that seeing it coming. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like fucking the, Close Encounters guy, like with the Jeez. clay tower, like the, like, you know, uh, um, I don't even know where I was going. Vision board. Well, cre- uh, gloomy fascism. Knowing it's in. coming. The I world. can jump yeah. in at any right. moment. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm tapping Which out. Is, I'm going to push back on, or not push back, because you're completely right about all the things that are um, awful right now, but. Um, but also, uh, you know, my my thing these days is no uh, no fatalism. I'm not into yep. fatalism, mm-hmm. and I'm especially not into performative fatalism. Look so at, I don't yeah. want to hear anybody. <laughs> I don't want to read my in my Twitter feed that nothing matters, and I'm going right. to move to Portugal yeah. and blah blah blah. And, you know, yeah. um, I, I don't want to hear that because uh, the future is unwritten. We right. do not know what's yep. going to happen. Um, and not only that, but we can influence what's going to happen. And um, everybody, everybody knew in February when uh, Putin's war began that the that the Ukrainians were going to fold like a cheap suit, and and uh, they were, to, you know, that yeah. whole thing was going to be a <laughs> three day like, war, or whatever. <laughs> you know, a good thing nobody, you know, good thing the Ukrainians, uh, you know, uh, Zelensky wasn't. Um, you know, tweeting out, LOL, nothing matters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so that <clears throat> the fact that uh, nice. Trump did not get his second term right away, um, it is, you know, things uh, things are critical. Things need to be, we need to pay attention um, and uh, people need to vote. Uh, and True. that, you know, and that, that all of that said, um, you know, uh, it's not over. It's right. not over. And I don't want to hear. And when people tell me it's over, it's like, okay, if you really feel, if you honestly feel that way, you have two options. Go get your passport and leave. Don't, you know, don't let the American flag hit your ass on the way out the door and don't tell, don't tweet about it because I don't want to hear it. Or two, if it's really hopeless, if that's what you really believe, put a gun in your mouth. Wow. You know, and it's like, and I, and I know, and I don't Some really mean that, and right. and I don't mean that, uh, but I do mean that to be a harsh, like, you right. know, no, you know, we, do you, you really think that, saying. or are you, you know, again, are we engaging in performative fatalism here, or or are we serious? You can you can show me right now, and again, don't tweet about it. I want to uh, thank, you know, <laughs> right. I want to so, thank you guys for this creative intervention to get Chris kickstarted on the next 
No yeah. Fatalism yeah, Verbal Assault exactly. song. Yeah, This was my point from the, I'm sorry to cut in, but the vision board thing, I was like, I'm having a hard time like putting this shit into words. I'm gonna fucking rely on my nursery school buddy totally. to do it. Yep, and not and, and 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 trust me, I do not have all the answers by any means. If anything, I've become more, um, I've become yeah. more uh, or less certain about how I think the world should. Well, really already be, right there, you know? yeah, like goosebumps lyrically, right there. Yeah. It's just yeah, what you said, you know. So, it's like, yeah, really? it, well, not for nothing. <laughs> those were sort of the those were some uh, lyrics, sort of in situ or whatever, right. or, or um, awesome. in utero, and uh, <laughs> great, yeah. Um, but but I, to me, that is the lesson. That is what I take away. I, I'm taking away from what has happened in the past five years, but especially the past two, you know, two years or so, is that this this thing is not over mm-hmm. by any means. Yeah. And um, and uh, you just again that that there's nothing wrong with being realistic to, with looking the situation straight you know, uh, yeah. straight and understanding what's going on. But again, to let yourself um, succumb to that kind of fatalism is fatal, you know? Right. And it just, and, and, and so I refuse to, while I'm still breathing here on this uh, beautiful planet, I refuse to accept that, you know? And that there, again, are plenty of other people in plenty of other places for instance, a lot of Iranian women right now, Fuck yeah. who right. you know, who are you know, and they, and they, um, you know, their protests aren't, um, you know, nobody's going to be giving them a pat in the head for you know, they're taking big, big, big risks, <laughs> and you yeah. know, yeah. and so whenever I feel um, fatalistic. That's that's <laughs> it's it's that's where I look to for my inspiration to say like okay you know what f that here here we go you right. know and again it doesn't it it you know my big radical contribution to all this I'm working the polls on you know November you know ninth <laughs> and I get paid for it and I get a twenty five dollar you know meal per diem so you know that, that's my you know my big radical revolutionary act but. The idea is that um, that uh, you know that it, there may not be uh, specific policy solutions that will that verbal assault will be proposing, uh, but more <laughs> that you, you know don't give up, uh, keep energy going, um, keep the energy uh, and the energy that comes from um, uh, having both young folks and old folks at shows and uh, and see what happens. This makes me excited for new verbal assault. Yeah. Is everything you just said? Yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. you're definitely get inspired. You know what I mean? Like so many things have happened in the past on uh, a long time. You know, mm-hmm. especially just the past couple of years. Yeah, there's. I mean, I'm surprised there's been no more no more music coming from that too. Like the past couple of years. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I you almost wonder if people are almost still shell shocked. Yeah, you know, and that it's yeah. especially because for me, the past couple of years. I mean, as awful as, you know, politically what was going on, it was really the pandemic that was yeah. just such a bummer, you know? And yeah. it was like, oh, yeah. you, you, you just felt, 
You started to put it You know, just locked in your house. It, it, it was like I would. That's what I would tell my folks. It was like I wouldn't be so bummed about what was going on if I wasn't also having to hunker down and work and wash yeah. my hands. You know, yeah. again, especially Ooh. when things were first when the uh, when COVID was first spreading. Oh, double where, glove, double you know, glass, exactly. You didn't no. know what was going on. You know, and then and then just the the you know having to you know to to lock down to keep your di- you know keep physically distant from people um you know it was i don't want to say i don't get too dramatic you know it wasn't traumatic or whatever but it was very um you know is this it is it ebola is it you know whatever right, you right. know who know, or the black debt you know again yeah, black yeah. spraying yeah. down my groceries on the front porch exactly oh, you didn't know you didn't right, know right. I, you know so i shit you not i just remembered a song idea that i that came to me last night while i was falling asleep and it was about uh this one fucking week i should look up the date but it was it was right it was probably september and there was a huge smoke cloud over the whole pacific northwest from all the fires oh yeah yeah Mm. and there were really insane riots going on in portland Mm -hmm. oh yeah and it trump fucking trump uh was in office it was approaching one of the elections must have been the i I can't remember the date yeah but and there were there were also fucking just white unmarked ice vans just picking up protesters not at the protests but when they were would walk away from the protests they would just snatch people and just disappear them for a couple days and then like let them out and it was a it was like it was kind of what i would call the shittiest fucking moment i need to i need to figure out the the dates but in my head i was i was it was a chris this is this is for you it was lyrically (laughs) i I realized there was like four uses for the mask at the time because it there was Mm. the smoke there was the pandemic there was the like non-detection from police for the cameras what was the fourth one Mm. i fell asleep (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> halitosis. The main halitosis. one was halitosis. Yes. Halitosis protection. That's a great thing, though, for for purposes, huh? <laughs> yeah, getting away, getting away with doing things. Yeah. yeah. But it was literally like the mask was super useful that week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty wild. The burning though. ashes that you couldn't, you could barely inhale in the pandemic, and yeah, or going on a first date and you had to wear a mask. Mm. Maybe the person couldn't see what you yeah. Who knows? Oh, know. yeah. Right? But Catfish? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's all kinds of things for it. Yeah. Dating in the pandemic. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate you guys being here, man. This is fucking just having you in person, oh. you know? Yeah. No, this was I so could do this all day, and I'm yeah, going to. Well, I'm, I'm staying. No, right. <laughs> no, this was so much fun, you guys, and really appreciate yeah. it. And uh, again, just big shout out to everybody that we've. Uh, been reconnecting with and, and and being able to talk to and uh you know really looking forward to being out on the uh on the west coast which again uh when's the last 30, time well i just i was out here with a you know belly oh i was out here with belly just 25 <laughs> years ago and then uh but you know for, i haven't been out here with va in 31 years wow, so, man. Yep, oh, man. so pretty cool and uh really excited and uh again thank you guys so much quick yeah. question yeah who designed the artwork for trial? Oh, that, uh, yeah, yeah. That so. Let's see. The uh, let's see. Tom. Go- okay, so Chris Gorman took the photo. Who who is the? Uh, the photo? Okay, so uh, <laughs> it, it's Tom Gorman actually. Um, so Tom is posing in the photo. Chris okay. Gorman took the photo. Tom designed 
the rough uh, draft of the artwork, and then we sent it to Giant, and then they had their art department kind of right. you know take that idea and run with it, and then um, and then I designed the uh, well, I sort of stole the Seven Seal logo from the movie The Seventh Seal. And then, uh, but then I designed the eyes logo all by myself. I was going to say the eyes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sinead O'Connor's eyes, correct? Sinead yes, O'Connor's eyes. Yes, yeah. Who's Whose eyes? Sinead O'Connor, that's her yep. eyes. It was wow. a, um, I, had, I thought you said Sarah Connor's no, eyes. I, so I was like, I oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, I, <laughs> I got the eyes tattooed on my legs and she just, this nice. new Sinead O'Connor documentary that's yeah. amazing. Just yeah. came out. She's so punk rock. Yep. I, I, it was incredible. Wow, I had no idea that was So you guys took those eyes and yeah. Yep. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, and Chris with no background or right. history of like visual arts, just like will in my dorm room. Yep, with letter set letters. Do you yeah. remember those? Fucking... You rub them. Oh no, I, I'm yeah. running out of V's or whatever. <laughs> I have to go and get a whole nother sheet just so I can have that one V to put on the. Uh... Were you guys Sinead O'Connor fans too? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that first record mm-hmm. oh it's incredible man and our chris your girlfriend's brother was the her lighting tech right uh oh, wow. no i don't th- he pretty might sure. have done her pretty but sure. he was mainly prince's uh I, I remember him wow. being sinead's because i remember we had an we had an in but prince? we no for sinead but we never got to use it to like get into a show oh okay so uh, we uh, we may have so and again because this is newport that that of course my old girlfriend missy bennett married dave the drummer from throwing muses and now they still live in newport and have their own graphic design oh my god yep. no i can put a so bow there on you it. go That's there amazing, you, man. If you, yeah. it all comes back to newport toby what about like european tours and stuff like that i think soon maybe uh, next year yeah there's 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 chat yeah um yeah we we actually got it we don't have any shows booked after this little trip are there yeah. any bands so, that you'd like to tour with um like we were chatting up with Soulside. that was a really good it's great it's a good cohesive match. marriage yeah yeah of mature Absolutely. smart guy punk right <laughs> um, <laughs> with, with the same parameters of like, like unreasonable old guy like you know like some of the guys drink a bit, but not too much. And like, so everyone just got along great. Like, good time. Yeah. I think, uh, Rise, I think yeah. Rise Against might, would be kind of sick. Oh, yeah? Their Ooh. audience Ooh. and their sound. Talk that up. You know what I mean? Ooh, it might be on Sex Podcast soon. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Rise Against. I'm trying to think it's like, a, a, like another band like right. a band that's not like in the hardcore world, like mm-hmm. a different mm-hmm. audience. No, that's what was really fun about these shows with um, Soulside and Bedmaker. And I was I told both bands this. It was it was awesome because uh, you know we were all within the same I don't know sphere of yeah. music or right. whatever. But each one is a you know when when you went and saw those three bands that night, you got three distinct sets, and that yeah. was yeah. like cool. That's uh, that's yeah. pretty rad. Bedmaker was cool. Yeah, they were. Amanda's uh, really commanding as a vocalist now. Kind of mm-hmm. like a, a lot of the songs are like a old world like fairy tale. Like, it, it was really fucking cool. The the cool music, the, game, yeah. the music was very unique and interesting. Yep, that's cool. A band that just popped in my head that I was listening to like Verbal Assault at the same time was like Shades Apart. Oh yeah. yeah, I remember Shades Apart oh, from New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> they often come up as 
as like a verbal salt connected. Right, right. Are there bands band. you like to play with? Like other bands from this world? <laughs> Descendants or um, I, don't know. I prefer other right. otherworldly bands, Toby. <laughs> Earthly yeah. bands. Verbal salt never play with that are still playing. I don't know. Um jeez, I don't know. It'd be kinda sick. I'll, yeah. I'll save that for the third podcast. I, I, I just gonna, think Rise Against off the jump. I right. Know. I just their lyrics and just mm-hmm. I really like them. Yeah. The singer uh uh, uh, great band, great kids, man. Yeah, yeah. This, I, I feel like the singer could do it any genre and be good. He's yeah, a really good storyteller. I was just thinking like another level of mm-hmm. receivable song I've ever seen it before. Yeah, you know, like a different style I, band. Honestly, yeah, with you're our, down for anything now, right? Did you? Yeah, we, I mean, we've been <laughs> we've been keeping it pretty fucking punk so far. <laughs> uh, Tonight's a record store, right? Yeah, so uh, cool, man. Yeah, um, yeah. All our old. Friends, especially in California, because they're all concerned about the drives. Mm. They're all very disappointed with our selections of, of venues. Because, like, ah, right, as soon as we announced this show, every, everyone <laughs> listed how long it was going to take to get there, what right. the highway was. I think four or five up to the PC. It's and like, like thirty minutes from here. It's I not know. Bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Suck it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we came further. Exactly. There you go. But being right. there for a day and a half, I kind of get like, it. Like, how often do they get to see this show? You yeah. Know? Dude, um, never. Exactly. <laughs> so. Make the drive. But yeah, we, I'm excited. We have no, I'd say we have pretty humble ambitions and we're very clear where we are, like where a lot of people know about us, but our records haven't been available for 30 years. So right. yeah. there, ha- you know, there, there really hasn't been like a, you know, 30 years of people like, you know, there, there's people that would dig, but they're, you know, there's not like a, there just wasn't the music to find for years. Do you feel like years. a new band in a sense or no? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. We've been to people you've ever seen before. I don't know. No, it's mostly people that have seen okay. us. Yeah. <laughs> just to bring your kids. Yeah, yeah, I was exactly. just about to say, they're kids. Right, right. Yeah. They grew up on you. Now and I love that. Yeah. You. I think that's a beautiful that thing. Yeah. It's you know. beautiful. Uh, I saw that with uh, Milo when he came to our show. Like his yes. kids, I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, Milo brought his kids to the tour. I was oh, like, "Do nice you realize thing. that I were like the first yeah. album? One of the first albums I ever bought was your dad's album." They're like, <laughs> they "That's care. great, but yeah. we're really into metal." You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, his band's and cute. Like, you know, like their battle vest on. I'm like, yep. "This is so really? cute." Yes, cool. so cool. It was man. very cool. Milo's still the coolest man. We he got to play with him a couple weeks ago. Oof. He's just so cool, man. I, yeah, I feel like we would have a lot to talk about. It's and now he has a water bottle. Now he wears like this, this strap with a water bottle on stage. He has his own like water bottle lo- wrapped around and his strap with glasses. He's, he's just cute. I just love him, man. He's so cool. Yeah, he's the best. I, he's so cool. The yeah, that all his little like like bring on the old guy stuff. Like as just like a bald Bernie Sanders impersonator. I'm just like. <laughs> Like just fucking own it, don't you know? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to tape on a mohawk or, you know. But he sounds so. This good. is what you're gonna get, you he know. Sounds incredible. I know. Keith Morrison, mid sixties. Yes, man. yes. Killing it, man. Yeah. Killing it. Yeah. Wow, that recently his I voice wanna, was I mean, perfect. I, they yeah. were phenomenal. That's inspiring to me, Vinny especially Spade at the, the Palladium. I was just like, that place is always notorious horrible sound, sound. Right? Yeah. but they sounded great. Almost Vinny Stigma. Seconds. It's like sixty five. He's, he's like a young. Killing it with a Gnostic front. It's People like, in our crew couldn't believe how old that guy was. He would come and sit at the table like... He was old back then. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right, right. Yep. He, uh, but that's I, my inspiration, seeing these guys. Yeah, he's 60, a big like, inspiration. Yeah. I mean, he's, And who has more grievances to yell about than old guys? <laughs> and they're still angry, too. After but he's super posy. Who? Vinny. 
Oh, Vinny Stigma, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm living my life. I'm yeah, out here. It's summer. It's he beautiful. the same building he grew up <laughs> yes. in on Mott Street. On Mott Street. Yeah. I visited there when I was like 14. And I was like, wow, oh, this kindly old man is giving us snacks. You know? <laughs> and then, and then I, you know, I got to know him later when it's we toured incredible. and stuff. And, and, yeah. It's incredible. I love all the characters that come from the world we're from. Yes. Yep. You know what I mean? There's like, they're incredible, man. They're like, yeah. Yeah. Like movie characters. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Stigma could have been a Oh, mm-hmm. he, yeah. How he's, <laughs> how he's not a famous actor. So um, that, you guys see the Godfather's a hardcore documentary? Yeah. It's incredible, yeah. man. It's I don't great. know if Chris seen it. I have not it's, seen it's it. It's beautiful, Chris. It's okay, just cool. it's the relationship it's of Roger well. and Stigma and not just about Agnostic Front, like yeah, growing up where they grew up and the things they've been through. It's like, much deeper. Like the odd couple. Okay. Yeah. It's really beautifully done, man. Nice one. Okay, no, I'll definitely check it out. What about Verbal Assault Doc? What about it, Toby? Get working. <laughs> yeah. Get cracking. We, we, I think be, oh. <laughs> yeah, we Why not? We didn't capture much stuff oh, along okay. the way. We didn't save much trivia. We didn't like we were just fucking hit and run and and like yeah, I, I had a thing about like not saving stuff in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I was sort of like anti collector. You have no like, original verbal salt shirts in my size? I I have I have <laughs> I have the one there's one picture of me and with the screaming guy. But I had cut it because it was too long, and now it's like it looks like a man's ear. It's like a <laughs> I, the, I have that one halter top. Yeah. What about halter you, Chris? Top, yeah. Did you save things? Yes, actually, I did. I yeah. saved a good amount of stuff, including my um, including my Thermarest uh, sleeping pad <laughs> from the 1989 tour, yeah. which I dug out and I slept on last night. So it's no all, way. Yep. The slippery so one. Re- that slippery re- one. Where if you go camping. I had camping. a reunion tour with my uh, with my Thermarest. <laughs> Last night. A, so you have original so, shirts and flyers and all that stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, wow, I did. A, I did a pretty good job of keeping that stuff. And I did I do. That. I did. Uh, I wrote a sort of short history of the band, which I'm still kind of sitting in a desk drawer, and uh, I'll do something with it at some point. If anything, Please. just stick it up on the website. Um, you know, going over a lot of the stuff that we've talked about on on previous. You have lyric but, books still from back then. Lyrics? No, and that uh, <laughs> lyric book, uh, the one lyric book I did stolen. have, yep, yeah. sure did, oh, got bastards. stolen that night after we finished recording trial. So I like we can go to Discord and Ian will open up the drawer oh. and be the handwritten lyrics to Straight Edge and yep. hand it to you to hold in yep. your hand. Yep. Yeah, with, we no gl- with no gloves, right? Yeah, no gloves. Yeah, it's not even like <laughs> the, uh, the if we start talking about this, we'll be here for another oh, yeah, three hours. Thing, the yep. coolest thing about Ian how like they used a bunch of his stuff for the uh, Smithsonian. And they wanted the original skateboard from the back of the record. And he, he drove up and he skated up to the stairs and gave it to the security, he told me, and handed him the skateboard that was going to go into the Smithsonian. But he, no he way. skated it. Yeah, it's cool. so sick. I, cool. I, think, I love that. I think he just, I think he just lent it because it uh, was – he. We, no, he lent it for sure. Yeah, because yeah, right. we, yeah, we, we were checking it out last week. Okay. Well, love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks so I'm much. I wanted you guys a part of my life at a young age and inspired I, me to get into this music that changed my life. I feel Absolutely. Like a, I feel like a it's proud a pleasure, father, Toby. Man. Thank you, man. <laughs> I really appreciate I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. And Huge you know, inspiration. Derek, I, I'm so proud of you, Derek. Fuck. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I'm not, man, I'm, I just can't believe it. Like, I never imagined, like, my, you know, thinking of my young self, like, with the cassette tape that I had. of, yep. And I was just like, oh, man, like, back and forth, like, I was going through that. But yeah. it's an honor and a pleasure. Cool. Best <laughs> it. Yeah. Best of luck with all Thank you everything guys, coming. Really. Out. Yeah. Good luck with your little band. Yeah. With that little tiny, <laughs> with that little side project <laughs> you're working on right now. Oh, glad you guys are here. And you're still doing it, man. It's awesome, man. Yeah. 
All right, guys. Thanks for being here. Yep. All right. Thank you. Bye. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo off in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 removal treatments done. 100 locations. U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology. Cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do on these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out.